Hi, welcome to the City View Phoenix podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. I remember the first time I met somebody famous. I was at um, the Phoenix Open. I was probably a freshman in high school. And I was told that, that by chance I, I might meet maybe one of the Phoenix Suns who had just made it to the finals. And so I took three basketball cards with me. Dan Marley, Kevin Johnson, and Charles Barkley. And I remember walking around just looking, who might be here and who, who might I be able to get their autograph? And then all of a sudden, there was Charles Barkley. And I got all the nerve, and if you're a young person, like there's, there, you're just nervous when you meet somebody famous. And I don't know if you've, if you've ever met somebody famous. I was nervous, and I was anxious, and I was also excited. And so I get that card out of my pocket that was in a, a plastic protective case. If you're a card collector, you know what I'm talking about. And it was in one of those thick plastic cases. I carefully take it out, and I go up to Charles Barkley, and I said, Sir, not Sir Charles, <clears throat> I said, May I please have your autograph? And he said, if I give you my autograph, then I have to give my autograph to everybody here today. I'm not giving out autographs. That shattered my heart as a young fan. I, I just thought, who, if it wasn't for me, your fan, the people who buy your stuff, who celebrate you winning, you're nobody. I didn't think that as a kid. As an adult, I think that. But I remember losing respect for him. He never was the person I thought he was anymore. I never thought he was as cool as he was anymore. And I just thought, that's so mean. You're a jerk. You're not nice. And in my young little 14-year-old mind, a man who I had put on a pedestal, because it's not our fault, we don't know not to do that, no longer sat on one. The man who set out to be famous had now dropped from any bit of famousness in my heart because I thought, you're mean. But you see, that's nothing like the man I'm about to talk about. It's amazing how big we can make people. It's amazing how big we can become in our own eyes, isn't it? We can become so important. We can become somebody that just, we feel like everybody should be like, who are you, what do you do, and how can I be around you? We can do that in our own minds, and that's what Charles Barkley had done, and that's what I had done to him. But Jesus was nothing like that. Jesus was nothing like this. Jesus, as we enter into this new series today, we're going to be looking at Jesus. And today as we look at Jesus, we're going to see how he's the creator, the savior, the all-powerful, the one who did not come to be famous. He did not come to be served. He did not come to get autographs, but he came to serve. He came to give his life for the world. He came to change everything. And today we are starting a new series, a journey through the book of Mark. And as we go through this book, we're going to be looking and seeing how Jesus lived no ordinary life. And nothing around him was ordinary. Everything about Jesus and everything Jesus did was extraordinary. So today we start part one of a series titled No Ordinary Man. And let me tell you, I can't wait to share with you the book of Mark. 
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, Lord, for today. Jesus, I thank you for this book that has captured just bits and pieces of your life. But I thank you for showing us how awesome and how amazing and how loving and how true and how great and how powerful you are. And Jesus, as we enter into your story, I ask that you'd speak to our hearts. Meet us right now wherever we are in these seats. Or if we're online, Lord, meet us where we are online today. And God, I ask that you wouldn't just speak to us here at City View, Lord, but I ask that you'd speak to your people all over the valley, whether they're at CCB or Calvary or if they're at Hope City or Apollo Baptist, Lord, wherever your people are today, God, I ask that you'd meet them there and meet us here at City View Church. And it's in your name, Jesus, the only name that is holy, the only name that is good. It's in your name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. So I've missed you. For those of you who maybe this is your first time, my name is Jeremiah. I'm the lead pastor here at City View Church, and I took two Sundays off. Two weeks ago, I went on a sort of soul-searching, soul-refreshing, soul so sort of look inside Jeremiah kind of week. I went to a friend of mine, Paul Hayes' house. He was my youth pastor. He's my mentor. He is like a guy that I, I just, he pours into me. He listens to me. I can't tell you when, I, when we worked together, I can't tell you how many times I sat in his office and just cried. Because he's that guy for me. I cry a lot anyways. Um, the only, I, I, so, but that doesn't tell a lot about me. But I went out to his house. I said, text him. He said, Paul, can I come to your house? What are you going to do? Nothing. I'm going to do nothing. I'm just going to read and pray. That's all I'm going to do. So I went to his house. Flew out on a, on a Monday. Got up Tuesday morning. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go to the beach. And God, I'm going to hear from you. The whole plan was to hear from the Lord. I just need to hear from God. So I go, I sit on the beach. I'm like, okay, God, here I am. Let's get to work. Because I, I am an ENFJ, if you know, uh, you know, if you know anything. I am a D on the disc. I am an A. I am a go, 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 get, get, get. I have no stop. I have no pause. I just go, and I, so I'm like, okay, God, I'm here. I'm in California. I'm on the beach. Download in me. Let's get going. That's what I, I'm ready to hear from God and go and capture and do so I can get ready and get back to work. That's what I want from God. And God says, I'm not talking to you today. <laughs> Serious. The winds start, I'm holding my Bible, I'm sitting on the beach, if you can picture, sitting on the beach in Carlsbad. It's not as bad, like this time there weren't people wearing masks all over the place on the beach, so that was weird, um, a couple months ago. But I'm sitting there on the beach, I'm like, okay, God, here. And the wind's just blowing. I, I can't even hold my Bible up, but I'm holding it, and like, even the pages are folding. I'm like, okay, God. God goes, can you just sit? And be quiet. I don't, some of you, you're like, I love to sit and be quiet. I don't. It's just, that's not me. I, I like to talk and I like to get things done. That's just what I do. And God says, well, I'm not talking to you. So we sat. And I was quiet. And I prayed. And then I would stand up and sing sometimes out loud on the beach. Now, you'd think, that's weird, but here in California, everybody's weird. <laughs> so you just sort of fit right in. You're just like, ah, you know, you said, if you ever walk the beach in California, you got people doing yoga, you got people doing who knows what on the beach. They're doing everything. So I'm just fitting right in. So nothing. All day Tuesday. God's like, you just, you just need to rest, Jeremiah. You've been going and going and going. You need rest for your soul. I said, okay. Wednesday I got up. 
I went to a place that, according to Yelp, had amazing pancakes. I have not left the review yet because they were that bad. I know. Any of you ever, like, who's a pancake lover? Like, you try pancakes everywhere you go. You're like, that's the one. Yeah, it was, it was a letdown. But Black Bear Diner has this French toast that's, like, in the middle, has this blackberry jam. It will be served in heaven. <laughs> so I go and I have breakfast. I come back to my room at Paul's house and I go and lay down on the bed. Just to close my eyes for a second because it's a sugar craft after you've had pancakes for breakfast. And I lay down sideways on the bed and I fall asleep for two hours. I wake up. I go to the beach. Actually, I go to this um, lagoon called Buena Vista. Some, it's like a place where you walk. I set up my chair in the shade, and God so encouraged my heart. I'm reading through the book of Mark, because I'm like, okay, God, this is, I, I really want to take the city of you through a journey through Mark. And then God so gently guides me through this book, and I can't wait to take you on the journey that I've been on. I can't wait to share with you over the next few months the amazing things that God showed me in this book. I cannot wait. It's not going to be an ordinary verse by verse through, through the Bible. You're like, yes, Jeremiah's teaching a book, the only right way, verse by verse. It's not going to be that, but we're going to go through the whole book, and it's going to be amazing, and it's going to radically change your life. I'm going to promise you that, because God's word never comes back void. But I can't wait to share with you. So starting off right now, because I already prayed, I have that in my notes, Mark chapter 1, verse 1. So it's the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Mark, unlike the other gospels, there are, there are four gospels in the Bible. There's Matthew, who was written by a disciple, a guy named, also known as Levi. He was a tax collector. He wrote one of the stories of Jesus. And then there's Mark, who wrote his, um, Peter, uh, who was one of the disciples, told Mark, he said, Mark, I want you to write my story of Jesus. So so Mark writes Peter's perspective. And then we have a guy named Luke. Luke was a doctor. He was like the guy who, who just it takes tons of great notes. He was that student in class that is just the exceller, the if he gets an A plus, that's not enough kind of guy. He, when, you, when your teacher says, I need you to write a five-page paper, he says, why not ten? I don't, five is not enough for all the facts, all the details. That's Luke. Luke was a doctor and the detail guy. And then you got John. John's the lover. John's like, I just want to talk about Jesus and love and love and love. That was John. But before he even got there, he was called a man of thunder. He was like, Jesus, let's kill all the bad guys. And he's like, whoa, you need to have a soft heart first. So we got Mark. Mark, verse 1. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The book of Mark is known as the book of action, the book of busy. Over 40 times the word immediately or straightway is used. It's just this idea of Jesus going from one thing to another to another, just moving and acting and moving in people's lives. This idea of constant movement about Jesus is all throughout the book of Mark. And as Mark opens his book, he refers to this word called the gospel. Now, if you're a Christian... You think that's sort of your word, the gospel. You would think, man, maybe, maybe some of you don't, haven't thought this far, but it, back in those days, you could go around saying, hey, have you ever read the gospel of Mark? They might say, okay, I've read other gospels, because gospel was just sort of a word that was used. 
It's, it's not a word that was only used to define a book of the Bible. It's not only a word that was used for that. The gospel, the idea of the word gospel, you've probably heard it as good news, the, the meaning, the, the background that when you look into what that means, it means joyous tidings is what the word gospel means. Some kind of joyous story, some kind of joyous celebration that is being talked about. The Romans used this word gospel a lot when they spoke of their emperors and their Caesars. One ancient writing reads, referring to Emperor Caesar Augustus, back in, who lived back in um, 62 B.C. through 14 A.D., it says this, this is the writing, re referring to Caesar, the birthday of the God was for the world the beginning of joyful tidings, or the beginning of the gospel. So we use the word one way, but it was used throughout history. But, but here's the thing, the, the big difference between how other cultures used it and how Christians used it, other cultures used it to refer to something that happened in the past. Always referring to something that happened in the past. Something that happened when, when Augustus was born. Not his life, but his birth. It spoke of one small thing. When we refer to the word the gospel, when we speak of the gospel, the good news, joyous tidings, it speaks of so much more than just the birth. It speaks of the life, the death, the resurrection, and the hope that we have in Jesus. For us, the word gospel isn't just about the past, but for us, the word gospel refers to the future, our future hope, and what we have in Jesus. So for the Romans and so many of the cultures, for them, it just happened for a moment. It was a moment of good tidings. For us, the word gospel speaks of a life of good news, a life of joyous tidings, a life of joyous celebration. That's the difference between how we use the word gospel and how every other culture used it in those days. You see, for us, the gospel means so much more. And then Mark continues to write. He says, as it was written, verse 2, in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make ready the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins in all the country in Judea and was going out to him. And all the people from Jerusalem, they were all being baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. John was clothed with camel hair and wore a leather belt around his waist, and his diet was locusts and honey. John here, as he proclaimed, and as Mark writes, he proclaims about this messenger, Mark writes about this messenger, John the baptizer. And he quotes two passages, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 30, and Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, which were written way before John was born. Speaking of this one who is going to come and prepare the way of the Savior, Jesus, who is going to come and save the people from their sins. And John was sent to prepare the ground, to till up the ground, to get people's hearts to receive Jesus. And he was baptizing them. Now you see... Their baptism and what Jared spoke of earlier is different things. You see, the Jews, they understood baptism in those days. But for them, baptism was only meant for people who wanted to become Jewish. 
who weren't born Jewish but wanted to become Jewish. So to a Jew, they would never be baptized. That was not meant for them. It wasn't their thing. But John was doing a baptism of repentance. What God sent John to do was to get people's hearts ready for Jesus. And so for these Jews, it says they were coming from Judea and Jerusalem. You all of a sudden, you have this revival happening in the country of Israel. People's hearts being ready and stirred up for what God was going to do. And they were coming, getting baptized by John, saying, okay, we know God is doing something. It's that moment where you feel the Holy Spirit. You feel this sense like God is getting ready to do something in my heart. I know many of us have had that experience in our lives where God has done something, and we're like, I got to get myself ready. God, what are you getting ready to do? God, what is it you're wanting to do? And that's what's happening in Jerusalem. You have this revival. You have these people that are ready to be baptized and get their hearts ready, and they don't know really what for. They think it's for a king coming. They didn't realize it was for their savior. And so there's this baptism, this, this revival, this, this heart change that's happening in Jerusalem. And then John says this, verse 7, and he was preaching and saying, after me one is coming who is mightier than I, and I am, and I am not fit to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. This week, my house got teepeed. And some people left these sandals. I don't know who, who they were that teepeed my house yet. Um, if I did, I'd throw these out of them right now. I wonder if, if I threw it, if it would find them. <laughs> they left the note and they said, Jeremiah, it would mean the world to us if you wore these sandals. Um, you don't want to see these feet on the stage. I'm not, I wear sandals on vacation, I don't wear sandals on the stage. Um, but here's the, the reality, the reason why I'm not wearing them. I am not Jesus, and Jesus wore sandals, so I can't be like Jesus. <laughs> Does that work? Is that a good enough justification? Some of you in here, you're, those of you who voted no, I appreciate you, I'm thankful for you. You mean the world to me. Those of you who voted yes, you need prayer. Um, but John says this, back to all seriousness. John says this, after me one is coming who is mightier than I, and I am not fit to untie his sandals. You've got to understand the culture. You're like, what does that mean? Well, sandals in those days were, they, you strapped them. They had leather straps. You see, the only person who would untie a sandal in that culture was the lowliest of low slaves. The lowliest of them. But you see, a Jew could never be the lowliest of slaves in a Jewish culture. So that's why John says, I, I cannot, I, I, I can't, because he can't even be the low. But it's not even that. It's not even that he is too high or too holy. You see, the only person that, could, that would untie a sandal would be a, a, a slave that was not Jewish. That's who could. But John said, I even, I can't, like, I am, I am too dirty, I am too unholy, I am too nasty, I am too decrepit, I can't. Even if I, even if I were to try, I, Jesus is so holy, he is so good, he is no ordinary man. I cannot untie his sandals. It, it wasn't that John was too good, it was that John was too bad. It wasn't that John could someday reach holiness, it was that John knew he could never be holy enough. And John says... 
He says there in verse 7, After me one is coming who is mightier than I am. I am not fit to stoop down to untie the thong of his sandal. He says, I can't even be any low. I, I just, I can't. There's no lowness to how I can go because Jesus is so holy. Because Jesus is so good. Because Jesus is so mighty. He says, I baptize you with water. He goes, you guys have seen how your hearts have been changed with what I've done. He goes, but what Jesus is coming to do, what Jesus is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit, he says, Jesus is going to put himself inside you. He's going to fill you with the power to live a life that you so desire to live. I know so many of us, we struggle with that. I wish I didn't. I wish I could. I wish, I wish, I wish. We live our lives so desiring to be the man or the woman that we know we can be. We so, we, we, all these parents lined up. And parents, let me tell you, I know some of you, you've been a parent for a while. And some of you, you're brand new into this. Parenting is hard. You are going to feel like a failure so many times in your life. You're going to, especially with Instagram and social media and all these things. And parents posting all this Dumb stuff about parenting, goal, whatever. It's just, it's hard. And you're going to feel like you just can't. Moms, you're going to live under a weight that is going to feel so burdensome on you like you can never meet up and be the mom. You're going to feel that weight. Dads, you're going to feel this weight of, of not being able to meet up and not being able to do what you feel you're supposed to. That, that's just the reality. But that doesn't come from God. You'll never be enough. I know there's slogans that says you're enough. You'll never be enough. You'll never feel like you're enough. But here's what you are to Jesus. You're everything he wants you to be. And he's going to help you become who you so desire to be. And when John says, I baptize you with water, but he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit, John is saying, you are going to have a power that fills you to do what you can't even imagine you can do, to become the dad, to become the mom, to become the son, to become the daughter, to become the man, to become the woman that you so desire, you crave to be, but you look going, I will never get there. And God says, no, you can't get there, but I'm going to bring you there. And that's what Jesus does. He does it through the Holy Spirit. You see, before Jesus, so many different mighty religious leaders came. You see, Jesus was no ordinary man. He was no ordinary savior. He was no ordinary king. You see, Jesus, you know, I, I look at Charles Barkley, and Charles Barkley, he, he said, Jeremiah, I don't have time for you. Jesus says, I've got time. I've got time. As we look at the story of Jesus, we're going to see how he made time for every single person. He didn't save them all. I mean, he didn't, like, heal everybody. But you're going to see that Jesus made time for the people that got to him. Jesus made time. Jesus was, was there. He, Jesus, he, he saw the crowds and he felt compassion for them. Charles Barkley said, Jeremiah, if I give you an autograph, he didn't say my name, he actually said, kid, if I, don't give you, if I give you my autograph, I'm going to give it to everybody else. We, we see that Jesus, he saw a crowd and he said, it says he had compassion for them. Charles Barkley said, kid, I, I can't. Jesus said, don't ever keep the children from coming to me. Jesus saw people and he loved them, each and every one of them, as an individual, knowing you by name. That's Jesus. He knows you by name. There's, I don't, I don't know, I probably don't even know even half of you. I wish I, my, my heart is really to know people. My, I, at, my, at the core of my being, I love people. 
Not every pastor does, I'll be honest. I know a lot of pastors. Some pastors don't like people. It's really weird. They like to preach. They like to share God's word. They're passionate about it. But some of them really don't like people. They're introverts. They're just like, ah, that's fine. That's them. I just love people. I just, I do. I, I, I really, it's not just not, if you ask anybody who knows me, they'll tell you. Sometimes I can be mean, but probably an insecurity inside me. So be loving. But you see, this Jesus, he's no ordinary man. He was no ordinary savior. He was no ordinary king. And before Jesus, so many mighty leaders came. We had a, a man named Brahma. He came in the Hindu religion in the 16th through 11th centuries. He came, he preached, and he died. We had Moses and Abraham who came as sort of these forerunners, these, these mighty men of the Jewish, of the Judeo um, religion. Yet they came, they preached, and they died. We had Confucius who came, he came with a mighty message, yet he came, he preached, and he died. You had Siddhartha, Buddha, who came, and I've actually been to where he preached his five pillars, I've been there in that place in India, I, I saw where he did that, but they also speak of his grave that you can go to when you get a tour, because he died. In Taoism, they had a leader named Lao Tzu in the third century who came, who preached, who died. For the Romans, they had their Caesar Augustus, who they called the Son of God, who died. And each one of these religious leaders said, you come to me. You come to my level. You come and become who I want you to be. You come to me. I can't come to you. I can't stoop down to you, but you can climb the ladder. And for so many people in the world, they are climbing. We are climbing this ladder, trying to complete, trying to become who we so desire. And we're working so hard. We're trying so hard to do. And each one of these religions are trying to become somebody they'll never become. And they feel like a failure, and they constantly feel empty. You see, but Jesus was no ordinary God. He was no ordinary man. God being, he's the only one that God said, okay, I don't want people to come to me. I'm going to go to them. Jesus, you go down to earth, and you be one of them. You walk with them. You, try, you be part of them. You show them who I am, and you show them the love. It's not a matter of how high they can climb the ladder. It's that I came down it to love them. You see, that's the difference between every other religion in the world. It's the only one where the God of all creation said, I came to you. It's not a matter of you coming to me. And Jesus, it says then, verse 9, in those days, Jesus came with an ordinary name. It was a common name. Lots of little boys had the name Jesus. He didn't come with some extraordinary title of, hi, my name is who knows what. They could have come up with any kind of crazy name. But Jesus, they're like, just Jesus? That's his name? Yeah, he's the good name. From Nazareth. Nothing fancy about the place. 
He's not from Rome. He's not from some, some great place, Jerusalem. Like maybe if he was born in Jerusalem or maybe, maybe if he was born somewhere that, that people thought he was. He's from Nazareth. How do we know Nazareth is, any, is not that good? Well, even one of the Jewish people say, what good could come from Nazareth? It says, he came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Jordan was a no-name river. It was a dirty river. It was not a holy river. It wasn't like an, an awesome river. I've, I've seen the Ganges. I don't know how many of you know this, but India has every, they have all the holiest rivers in the world. They all exist in India, only in India. I've been, I've seen a few of them, and they're all disgustingly dirty. But if you ask anybody there, if somebody was baptized or was anointed in the Jordan, they say, well, that's not holy. Jesus was baptized in the Jordan. See, Jesus didn't come to be this famous, like, look and let me just make you worship me. Jesus came to be one of us so that we might see God with us. It says in verse 10, immediately coming up out of the water, one of my professors in Bible college, he said the, the reason the word immediately is used is because the Jewish people, you would be baptized over and over and over again until your sins, until you were really forgiven, until everything was washed away. The reason why, can you imagine, some of you are like, oh my gosh, I think I'd be underwater for a long time. What, um, somebody here was baptized a couple of weeks ago and their friend baptized them. And um, they, there's this story that goes around that he held them underwater for a really long time. Um, but what my professor was saying, um, his name was Don Stewart, and he said that the reason that they would, the reason it says immediately is Jesus had nothing to repent of. Because he was holy. It says immediately coming up out of the water, he saw heavens open. It, the idea is opening like a curtain. And the spirit, like a dove descending upon him and a voice coming out of heaven saying, you are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. And now we meet Jesus. He enters the scene. As John baptizes him, John at first said, Jesus, I can't. You should be baptizing me. But Jesus says, no, you have to baptize me because I need to show the world that I have come to take judgment for the world, that I have come to take the sins upon myself. That is why I must be baptized. That is why I must, and he, he had nothing to repent of. But we do. He had nothing to be forgiven of. But we do. You see, when Jesus went underwater that day, he was saying, God, I take the job. God, I'm ready to do what you've called me to do for this world. God, I'm ready. Let's go and let's save some people. That's the idea. Jesus is like, I am ready. I'm going to do this. And Jesus knew full well what he was getting into. He was getting into dying on a cross, a horrid death for the entire world. That's what Jesus was getting ready to do. And he says when he went underwater, he knew at that moment, I, I'm saying I'm going to die. And when he came up, God said, son, I am pleased with you. And what's amazing is throughout Scripture, when you read the New Testament letters that Paul writes, it talks about saints, how we are the saints of God. It holds the same idea of how God looked at his son, I am pleased. That's the same idea of how we, God looks at us and says, I'm pleased with you. You are my child, my beloved. You see, Jesus was no ordinary man. 
He was no ordinary God. He was nothing like the world had ever seen. All they had known was a God that wants them to climb up to him. But all of a sudden, they meet this guy, a God who came down to them. And it says in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, it says, You must have the same attitude that, was, that, was, that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privilege. And in our culture, we hear a lot about privilege. Jesus gave up his divine privilege. He took the humble position of a slave. See, if you remember, John said, I, the one who is coming is mightier than I, and I am unfit to untie his sandals. But when we learn about Jesus, we learn that Jesus came as a slave, and he came and untied every single one of his disciples' sandals. Jesus said, if you think you're too holy, if you think you're too good, you can't follow me. Because living a life for me means we always put others first. That's life. That's the life of a follower of Jesus. And it says in Jesus, he, was, he humbled himself as the position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and he died a criminal's death on a cross. You see, you can go to so many graves of so many holy and famous people. I've been to the grave of Jesus and guess what? He's not there seen it pretty cool you can walk into it into the tomb and it says he's not here he's risen because he's not and it says there it says he died a criminal's death therefore god elevated him he lifted him up he rose him again jesus conquered death elevated him to a place of the highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue should confess on heaven and earth and every tongue should confess and declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This Jesus who was not ordinary in any way at all gave up privilege became a slave, humbled himself, died the death that only a criminal deserved, and rose again. It is this Jesus that over the next few weeks and months that we're going to be looking at his life through the book of Mark. I cannot wait. I can't even tell you how excited I am to share with you the book of Mark. In a total, it, it's going to be very different than you're used to. I'll tell you that much. I'm not going to be all crazy. Like it's not going to be heresy. But there's just some neat things that God showed me in this book. And I can't wait to share it with you. I can't wait to share with you how amazing Jesus is. We're going to look at how he's, how Jesus was no ordinary man. We're going to look at how he had no ordinary father, followers. We're going to look at how he had no ordinary mission, no ordinary message. We're going to look at how the people that followed him were no ordinary people. We're going to look at how, how the, his, Jesus, his love was no ordinary love and how his death was no ordinary sacrifice. That's the outline of the book of Mark. And let me tell you, if you walked in here today 
being one of those people trying to climb up to reach God. Stop climbing. You'll never make it. It's too hard. The ladder has no end. It's like an escalator that just keeps going. You will climb and you will look and say, I haven't moved an inch. You'll always feel empty. And Jesus knew that and he said, I'm going to go down. And so if you are that person just trying and trying and trying, going, God, I just, if I make enough, God, if I am enough, God, if I do enough, God, if I, if I, if I, Jesus said, just stop. Because I love you. Because Jesus was no ordinary man. He loves us in an extraordinary way. And he wants to make your life no Heavenly Father, I thank you so much. I thank you, God, that you love us, that you loved us enough to give your son as a sacrifice to each and every, for each and every one of us in this room. And God, for those of us that we are climbing the ladder of life and we, Lord, we stumble on the step of insecurity, on the step of, uh, of, of selfishness, on the step of pride, on the step of shame. Lord, I, I don't know why we trip over all of them. We fall all the way down and we just feel like it's, it's never ending and it, it is. So Jesus, I pray for those of us in here that we need to just stop climbing and realize that you already came down. So Jesus, for those who need to receive you, those need, who need to give their life and surrender to you today, Lord, for those in this room right now, I don't know who they are. I don't know where they are right now. I don't know if they're online or sitting in a pew. But Lord, I pray that you would grab their hearts and show them you love them. Right now. And if that's you, if you're the one that's been climbing the ladder of religiosity, climbing the ladder of trying to be enough in yourself, climbing the ladder of trying to please somebody else. And if you do not believe in the Savior, Jesus, but today you realize that God came down to you, I ask you to pray with me. Say, dear Jesus, I'm done climbing. Thank you for coming down. Thank you for loving me where I am. Jesus, I ask that you forgive me. I ask that you clean me. I ask that you set me free. Jesus, I ask that you turn my heart to you. Thank you for dying on a cross for me. And thank you for not staying dead and for coming back to life. Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you that you change lives. Jesus, I thank you that you move in each and every life in here. And Jesus, I ask that you would just continue to change us, to help us become the men and women you're making us. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. 
Did you decide to follow Jesus while listening to this podcast today? We want to celebrate with you and help you with your next steps. Click the link in the podcast description to get connected with a pastor and your next step. If you want to learn more about what's going on at CityView, download our CityView app through the App Store or the Google Play Store. You can find everything from special events, outreach opportunities, and additional resources all in one centralized location. Links are in the description below. Thanks for listening. For more information, check out our website at cityviewphx.com or download the CityView app on the App Store.